I realized what paddleboarding was, or at least to me. It's just an absolute, just hands in the air, let's have fun with this. Who cares what the people think? Who cares what anybody thinks? I'm just in touch with the river and I'm dancing on my own. To me, that was the breakthrough when I met her. Monday, November 2nd, 2020. Sup everyone, I'm Paul Clark. Sup Paul, welcome back to the podcast. It is the day before the U.S. presidential election. And I'm on a plane to Mexico. I'm avoiding the election and the potential mayhem and aftermath that will ensue. I've already voted the ballots in the mail. But I am happy to say that before I leave, I've teamed up with Jamie Mabe to co-host many of the future episodes of the Sup Paul podcast. And this will be our first co-hosting episode with our guest, Davide Sartoni. You've heard him speak before, and you've heard her speak before about river paddleboarding. So we're all in the same room, so to speak. Him in Reno, she in South Carolina at a music festival, dancing to some good vibes, and me about to escape the U.S. Without further ado, Jamie Mabe and Davide Sartoni. Jamie, how are you doing? Hey, Paul. I'm doing well. How are you? Not bad. I'm in Southern Oregon. You're in South Carolina. How is it yes. out there? Uh, well, I'm here in Charleston. It's a bit of a rainy day, cold and windy. Uh, but I think I'm, when we're done here, I'm going to go out on a bike ride with my kids and my husband. So I'm it, still going to capture the day. Capture the day. Uh, it is yeah. an interesting day for a variety of reasons because the the clocks have turned back and the days are getting shorter and shorter shorter and colder and colder at least here in the west tomorrow i'm flying yeah. off to mexico to yeah. uh, chase the sun but most importantly for for this podcast at least is that this hopefully will be the first of many co-hosting events that you and i are doing for the Supball podcast and maybe even other projects I love it. I'm looking forward to that. Definitely. I'm looking forward to working with you. So I'm looking okay. forward to talking about river paddleboarding, travel, adventure travel, content creation with you. And in this first episode, we're reaching out to a mutual friend of, or at least a friend of mine. And um, gosh, dang a soon it. to be a soon to be better friend of mine. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about. Yeah. We're going to talk with Davide Sartoni. You too. Davide and the the podcast episode that I have you I've recorded with you have been the the most listened to podcast and I think because you guys have an element of relatability so I'm bringing yeah. the two of you together and we're going to talk about river paddleboarding and making a business out of the sport and also having a passion pursuit so let's get Davide on the line oh. hey Paul are we all here everyone say hello Hello. Hello. <laughs> We're there. The the magic of, of, of phone technology. Welcome Yay. welcome to the podcast, uh, Davide. In this episode, I'm excited to say that uh, Jamie and I are doing our first co-hosting podcast. So uh, you're you're the first uh, you're the first guest on our co-hosted podcast. I love hey. it. Yeah. Hi, Davide. Good to meet you. Good to meet you too. So, Davide, you were just in California. You were on the American River yesterday, weren't you? We were, yeah. We um, we supped uh, our, um, our local kind of beginner to intermediate section with a group of suppers. 
Since the last time we talked uh, at the beginning of the summer, you were looking forward to getting on with the the normal things, you know, questioning what was possible. How was the summer uh, doing the Riversup instruction? Um, I was actually really surprised. Uh, It was uh, as busy as last year, if not busier. Uh, And um, I had about 35 people take classes since the beginning of June. Um, most of which were um, all new folks. So uh, 30 more uh, excited river suppers in Northern California are hitting the river. Awesome. All new people? That's, that's so incredible. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting with the, with the Bay Area being as populated as it is, uh, this sport is still fairly unknown in our area. And uh, yeah. as people are discovering it and discovering how fun and accessible it is um yeah i i I keep joking with folks that i'm gonna have to clone myself at some point (laughs) yeah if you figure that out let me know because i'm looking into (laughs) that as well (laughs) the the, the cloning part (laughs) yes heck yeah like five of me would be great (laughs) i could get so much done although you know i will say i think that if i cloned myself i would also have to micromanage myself as well so (laughs) i know i would need micromanagement and i'd probably start to hate myself like here she comes again she's gonna tell us what to do damn leave me alone i love it (laughs) well i I think i've shared this fact with both of you over the the last several months i've been building the sup paul podcast and i've had both of you on the episode I've interviewed people who are creating boards in the industry and creating lifestyles and coaching and instructing, but you two have been the people who others want to listen to. There's an element of relatability to it. So, Davide, what do you think your relatability is to people? Why are people interested in hearing what you have to say and taking your classes? Um, I think it's because of the passion that I bring to the experience. Um, my my goal for every class that I teach is to recreate the experience that my wife Jeannie and I had when we took our first river step class. Um, and, uh, you know, many might say that I, I go above and beyond in making sure they have an amazing experience on the river. Um, and then uh, the other part of it is my enthusiasm for growing the sport you know like i just want to see more people standing on the river whatever whatever i have to do to make that happen um that might be might be the one of the main reasons and you share a lot of content you're in, you're hosting beyond the clinics themselves on in social media at least on facebook you have several pages that you you share your content with and get uh feedback I do. You know, I'm still sort of in the Facebook mode only. Um, I always have a little, you know, have limited time available to devote to this because it's because I have a a regular nine to five job Monday through Friday. Uh, But I have little projects that I try to get done. Um, Recently, I just put my business listing on Google. So that's a new platform that I'm uh, out on. But yeah, Facebook has been my my primary platform. And uh, I, I realized early on that um, Facebook and I'm sure other social media platforms as well has uh, provides a great opportunity for developing a brand and creating connections uh, because you're, you're, uh, the web of people that you can reach worldwide you know, within a sport is pretty amazing. I, I started using it 
to uh, um, to organize some of my own personal trips uh, on the river um, in other parts of the world. And uh, I thought, oh man, this is going to be a great option for uh, reaching people, sharing content, sharing ideas, getting people excited about the sport. And that's what I see, regardless of where you are in the world. I just love seeing the excitement that people have for it. Um, for instance, the folks in Japan, I mean, some of the stuff that those guys and gals are doing and I love how organized they are and like when they have pictures that they post, you know, everybody's like in the right position, you know, and it's so clean and organized. I'm like, man, if I could get some of my people <laughs> to do something like that in pictures, it would be amazing. Right? Cause we're just like a, a total free for all. <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, are, are you talking about are you talking about Connell? Are you talking about me when I'm paddling with you guys? Like the boards are upside down, and that's part of it. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Jamie, what about you? How are you relatable, and and how are you attracting people to the sport? Um, relatability. Uh, I always try and present myself as the novice. Um because I am, <laughs> I guess I'm very authentic in that. Um, and so far as relatability, I really want for the person watching my content to see themselves doing that or to see me doing it and think of how they can improve upon it. Um, and I think that just in general, I'm so thankful for the time that I exist and that I get to do this, you know, stand up paddleboarding because Instagram is everything insofar as just showing people. I get to put out free commercials um, just showing my rad life and the fun things that I do. And I think people just want to do it. Um, and, you know, I don't show Big Water. I don't because I'm not on Big Water. I'm on just my local uh, play area and uh, I think that just people, again, can really see themselves doing it. It's not intimidating. It's not threatening. It doesn't look dangerous. Um, and that just level of accessibility. Well, you illustrated to me in one of our last conversations that your river is just through the woods off of the greenway, where the, the paved yeah. pedestrian parkway where people are walking right. or riding their bikes or hanging out with their kids yeah. or like you rollerblading and then they'll see someone on the river on a paddleboard and get really interested and then they reach out to you oh, yeah. like what are you doing and you just you, oh yeah it, it sounds like you've kind of created your business basically on the fact that you're doing this and people want to join you i mean definitely it's and i you know it's interesting because when we asked for questions for this interview, all the questions were about running a sup business. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, you know, I know people who, and Davide, it sounds like you're kind of like this too, where you're so excited about it. You just want to get people out there. It's so beyond a business model. It's just, man, how can I get more people doing this? How can I get more people on a sub? How can I share this incredible experience with people? Um, and I think that that model is what so many other people are experiencing as well. They're super stoked on it. They just want to get people out there. And that's the highest level of curiosity is how to, how to, you know, share the sport. So I happen, I know a lot of people in Raleigh who also not even through a business, just their personal hobby, share sup with, 
people. Um, they just happen to have a quiver of boards. They're accessible every weekend. People can reach out to them to come paddleboard. So, um, yeah, when I'm on the Greenway, people are stopping and staring. And it's great. And that's the way it should be. Both of you have something in common that I want to connect you to. And you, you both mentioned this, and I've, I've seen it certainly with you, Davide, because we also share this. Uh, I'm in one of those generations of river paddleboarding when it was just me in my region doing it, and I wasn't expecting anybody else in the region to be doing it, so I just went and did it. Uh, trial and error and, and learned and kind of built my own curriculum around that. And when I was kind of building my own curriculum is when we met in Reno. You were paddling by yourself, just like I was on the river, trying to figure things out. Uh, but pretty quickly in, I, I noticed that you were really focused on the, the, the technical side of things and getting certifications and instructing people in a business model. Um, is, that, is that correct? Do you think it that way? I do, yeah. I, um, I used to be, in my previous life, uh, a mount guide. And I had the opportunity to get certified, you know, as a ski instructor, as a rock climbing instructor, and as a mount guide. And I, I saw the value in being affiliated with um, the governing body, might be the wrong word, but one of the organizations that provides certification, both from um, the fact that I felt like I needed support from organizations that were already established or businesses that were already established within the river world and if I can show them that I have a certification through a, um, an organization that provides instructor qualification certifications, then I thought that would help me out when I go and talk to them, right? Um, because I could say, well, this is, this is where, who certifies me? It's the, same, it's the same organization that certifies your river guides or your kayaking instructors. So I thought that was really important. and. Um, I, I love teaching. I've been teaching for in one form or another for over 20 years. And so I was, I really believe in the, the certification process, how it grows you as an instructor, because you get to come together with other professionals in the industry and all the things that they bring together and the things that you can learn versus just trying for me to experience those on my own. And it's different than the, the racing community where you might get together for a, a festival because you're, you're trying to understand when you're going to an instructor class, you're trying to understand how you're actually doing things. Uh, oftentimes the people that I find, the people that are really good in a sport are not very good at teaching it because they haven't mm -hmm. ever thought about, you know, how do I actually do this? You know, oftentimes those, those movement skills come natural to them, you know, and I'm, I've never been a natural in anything athletics. I've always had to work hard at it. And I'm always intrigued um, at how actually a movement is actually accomplished effectively and efficiently. So I've always been really intrigued by that aspect of it, you know, dissecting it. And I find that the more I know about a movement, both how one can succeed or fail, then the better I am at teaching it to somebody else. And, and one of the things that's really cool about the sport you know, my wife says, oh, this is a self-expression sport. You know, I don't know if she's heard that from you or if she if she came uh, up to that herself. But, you know, it, it's interesting because you look at people doing the sport. There, there's like um, there's like pods of uh, um, 
of certain specific movements. So like if you look at the people in Japan doing it, they have a, a way of supping on the river. You know, if you look at people in certain parts of Europe doing it, they have a different way of supping on the river. In different parts of the U.S., there's different techniques, different approaches, different equipment, you know. So it's really cool to see how the sport is developing in different ways in different parts of the world. And even within a community, you know, there's different people doing it in different ways, you know. And it's it's really cool. And we're all – we all have different body shapes. So it's like what works for me may not work for you, may not work for Jamie, you know. So um, it's, it's, it's cool to see how you can adapt – some fundamental principles to to being successful on the river on standing on a board. So that, that always has intrigued me. So I have, it's really interesting you talking about certifications and, you know, how people who are naturals don't really have to think about how to describe what it is that they're doing. Um, so I was in the Navy and in the Navy I did uh, well, nuclear power and I was a water control chemist on the nuclear reactor. So, but I did a lot of training too. And I loved dissecting complex information and being able to translate that to people in an understandable way because um, I've met a lot of people who are geniuses. Um, in particular, you know, the, the intelligence part of it or the mechanical part of it and they can't translate that genius into a layman's terms. And what you're talking about is the physical genius of people who are natural stand-up paddleboarders. And um, it's so great to be able to translate those the body mechanics into a way that people can understand. And I, too, totally love that. And, you know, when I first started, I was looking for certification as well because I just – I kind of got into river sup and then even business ownership in a very sideways manner. Um, like a year ago, I got the offer to buy five boards at half price. And I just thought, okay, yeah, I'll do that. And then I'll figure out a business afterwards. Um, so I looked to paddle fit because I was kind of approaching my business from the standpoint of flat water. Um, I enjoyed river sup, but you know, here in Raleigh, people are not looking for high adventure. Maybe logically, they're not looking for it. They don't know they, that is truly what they want. But um, you know, they're looking at stand-up paddleboarding as being fun, challenging. Um, but there's not so adventure. much trepid, not an adventure. Yeah, and there's just a lot of trepidation. I mean, we're I'm I operate with people at a level of. Am I going to fall in? Are there snakes in the water? Snakes. Um, what if the water's cold? You know, not even like, am I going to die going down this rapid? So um, I've, you know, I spent my summer doing a lot of flat water. And now that I'm moving into river sup, it's, I am just the smallest bit above my students, um, <laughs> which, you know, I, and I think, overarching when people are asking about running a river sup business just to compare and contrast us to Davide you know I'm on the noose that is extremely docile there's you know a 12 mile run of totally flat water no rapids whatsoever then there's I have a seven mile run that has maybe five different rapids and they're like class one maybe class two and they don't go on for a long period of time and I don't have undercut rocks 
and I just don't have a lot of natural obstacles. So I don't have a lot of certifications, um, but I feel comfortable in keeping people safe on the river. Um, but I think that for you, it would be um, a dereliction of your duty to just approach it the same way that I am, you know, and I kind of struggle with myself because having done nuclear power, we drilled safety constantly. We would drill if there was a nuclear accident. We would drill if there was, you know, radioactive coolant all over the floor and we had to clean it up. We would drill um, if just being on a ship, we would do general quarters every week where we would pretend like the ship was getting um, hammered by missiles. And, you know, I'd get in full uh, fire equipment and get on the phones. And, and so here I am now on, on the river and I look at it as, Am I endangering people by my um, sort of accessibility mentality? Um, and I think that anybody who's looking at themselves, their local river, uh, and starting a business, they need to really kind of have a come to Jesus, so to speak, on whether they're going to go get full tilt ACA certified or kind of uh, you know, have a low key river like me where they're like, okay, well maybe we can work here with just my own knowledge and, and be able to assess the danger. I don't know. I mean, you're as a mountain guide, it feels like you've never been able to be in a position where it's just hiking, you know, or it's just, it's just stand up paddle boarding on flat water. You know, you, you've been in high intensity the entire time. Would you say that's true or? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I too was in the service, and so I right. I had a slightly different experience than yours. But most of my um, time in the service was pretty um, high activity, high um, high adrenaline. Um, so when I left, it was sort of like the natural progression is to stay within that world because that was the world that I was familiar with, um, right. and it was more because of a personal endeavor. Um, right. I would say that what I'm doing now is, is you know, even when I was a mountain guide, I was guiding, but I was guiding for somebody else's business and it was more of a job. You know, now it's like, I feel like what I'm doing now is more a community um, right. project, you know, because I'm trying to share this passion that I have with other people, you know. Right. Um, I would say something, two things that came to mind when you were talking about certification. Um, the, the first one that I think a business owner also needs to think about is um, how does that play into liability and insurance, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, so in the unfortunate event that you have an accident happen under your watch, what are the questions that are gonna be asked? Right. Um, and I think certification uh, could be helpful from that respect. Um, right. So that could be, you know, uh, and I'm not talking about you in, in specific, but just in general, you know. Right. Um, and somebody who's opening a business should do a risk assessment of their, you know, operations and figure out the things that they need, you know. And obviously, if you're going into a world that or into a part of the river that has more dangers, then, you know, that needs to be higher up on the priority list as well, right? Right. Uh, the other piece that's like, uh, a personal, um, uh, a personal, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like something you can get out of the experience of getting certified is. Okay. Uh, I'll use I'll use a uh, um, skiing as an example because I think that's more common. 
if you go out and take a, a private ski lesson, you know, on the weekends, uh, mm-hmm. it might cost you like 150 bucks or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you might be out with a, with a ski instructor for like a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. If you sign up, to sign up for an ACA class, you might spend double that, like 300 bucks, and you're out mm-hmm. for two days with like some really high level professionals, you know? both mm-hmm. the other candidates that are in the class and the folks that are teaching the class. So the amount of instruction that you're getting for the price, you just mm-hmm. can't beat it anywhere, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, ACA, PSA, AMGA, all these certifying bodies, I, I feel like have a, like when you're comparing what you're paying as a customer going out into the industry to get a lesson, the, the amount of value that you're getting in one of these instructor certification classes is amazing for the money. And um, I recommend it to even folks that don't want to be instructors because the amount of feedback that you're going to get in your own paddling, the tips, the tricks, you know, that you're getting are just like just off the charts, I found, you know. Um, With the the ACA, I want to give them a plug again is um, (laughs) – That's both good and bad, you know. Um, I thought it was like a barrier to entry is that they require that you become a flat water stand-up paddleboard instructor Mm -hmm. before that you can actually take the river part of the certification process. And at first I'm like, oh, man, what am I going to learn from, like, going and taking the flat water side of things? That's not what I'm interested in. But I actually learned a lot as well and provide Mm -hmm. some really good foundation to things that I really hadn't thought about before, like, how do you teach somebody how to do a forward stroke, right? Um, I always anticipated that, oh, people that are going to come and take a class with me on the river, they already have the basics. But oftentimes they come with the basic not being very well refined. So having an understanding of how to dissect, break down, and teach the basics before you tackle the skills that are specific for the river is also valuable, you know? So Oh, I totally um, agree. I really agree with you there, and um, it's that's kind of how I approach it. I like to take people out on flat water to show them all the things that they will need to know about river. Um, and it, it's it's you know what I run into here is people don't understand even the basic of why you would want to learn river, river skills on flat water before you get on moving water. Um, so, and, and and to your point. That's something, you know, ACA obviously is incredible curriculum and is the industry standard. Um, and I love instruction. I got that from PaddleFit just in a much more low-key way in the sense of uh, when I did PaddleFit instruction, uh, the instructor, he um, talked about how to run a business. You know, just how to, how to give a sub demo, for example. Um, you're going to want to have somebody registering people. You're going to want to have somebody else water, watching the water. You're going to maybe even want to have a third person rotating people um, around the buoy, you know, like kind of how to construct a demo. Um, we also covered how to break down a stroke um, and all the pieces that somebody might want to know. Just, you know, getting on a paddleboard at all. Moment one, day one, total 101 class. Um, so, yeah, I love I love certifications and I love how it makes you, I mean, for me, I love more certifications so that I could feel more empowered in how I'm uh, taking people out. 
you know, but at the same time I've had to balance and to some degree, it's almost like being registered to drive a Lamborghini, but all you're ever going to drive is a, is a Yugo, you know, for me, because I don't anticipate taking people anywhere else except for my little local river. Um, and again, it's like, I, for me, my sales model is so, Hey, were you paddling around the lake? Maybe you'd like to just float down a river a little bit. You know, we have a lot of just tubers, people who just want to tube. They want to go out with their family. They want the most low key thing they could possibly get. Um, it's just kind of maybe one would call it low adventure. Whereas, um, and I think that, you know, a lot of the discussion that you guys have had is the direction of stand up paddleboarding. And, um, there, I, for me, the direction of stand-up paddleboarding, just from my experience, having my own kids, being around a lot of families, they just want something fun to do for a couple of hours on the weekend. And um, my job is to give them a Disney ride, a somewhat dangerous feeling, but really you were on the tracks the whole time <laughs> and you're not going to die. That's that they want to not die or even they don't want to even feel like they're going to come close to dying. So it's just a just a counterpoint because I meet so many people who are seeking out bigger water, bigger experiences, further travel. And just what happens in my life is, you know, can I do this in two hours with my eight year old and 11 year old? Yes. Yes, I can make that happen for you. So. And it's 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 cool to hear you say that because that's how my wife and I got started. You know, we yeah we were mainly flat water paddlers, lake, uh, ocean, you know, small waves, no yeah. surfing background, no river background, and yeah, uh, me neither. We uh, we were like, man, I wonder if we can go camping with our stand up paddle boards. You know, we were yeah. in California and we were looking for lakes that have islands that we can kind of like paddle to and camp on the island you know and then we're like yeah. well i wonder if we can find rivers where we can go and do a multi-day trip on you know and yeah we're like but we have we have no whitewater experience so we got to look for a river that's like relatively calm you know and yep and so we're like oh which which rivers might be good for canoes uh and there's information about a canoe trip and then maybe we can take our sup on it you know and do our our multi-day trip on the sub. And so we found uh, this section of the Green River in uh, Canyonlands National Park in Utah mm. that goes through Labyrinth Canyon. And it's uh, it's either a four-day or eight-day trip. Um, and uh, we did the four-day portion and self-supported with our own gear. No idea what we were doing. First time yeah. setting a shuttle, you know. And uh, and we're like, wow, the the feeling of being just on moving water, yeah, on a stand up was just yeah. like surreal, you know. And you're like floating, oh. and you got the rock, you know, walls and cliffs that are coming down to the water, and the beautiful yeah. desert scenery, you know. And we're just floating along and looking for a spot to camp for the night, and then doing it again the same the next day, you know. And it was just yeah, that that's that's a really cool feeling, you know, when you're on a board gliding on moving water. So I'm so stoked that you're getting more and more folks to experience that, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, and I, you know, I've had the same experience with my husband. Um, I, 
you know, again, I saw a river. I saw somebody on a stand-up paddleboard on a river and just pointed and said, yes, I absolutely need to be doing that. Um, so I started stand-up paddleboarding on a river and then taking it to my local lake and then exploring my local river um, because, you know, no one was stand-up paddleboarding on my town river. I had to – it was through my journeys of being in the mountains that I, I saw that. Um, so I had to get my husband out there. Of course, like, come on, babe, come on, babe, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's try it. Let's try it. And, um, finally got him to even stand up, you know, and now he's kind of, he's lucky that I broke my ankle this summer. Uh, so he could get a leg up on me because now he's a little bit better than me, which I hate, but, um, (laughs) yeah. So, so just to like, you know, kind of the things that I deal with in my business Okay, I'm I'm trying to build out my river sup. Again, I did lake, flat water this this summer. We're gonna push into river this fall and winter. Got a family. They're super stoked on trying out river sup. Uh, put together a trip for them. It's like the most flat, basic water possible because their kids are very concerned about what's in the water, what's happening, you know, and, and danger, and they don't want to be endangered. Um, so. You know, get the family out there. We set shuttle. It's like a short two-mile run. Um, just the act of setting shuttle in kind of these river access areas that are less than ideal. Um, so they're just down like weird paths that you have to drive down dirt roads and stuff to get to. Just the act of setting shuttle was a big adventure for this family. Like they were, they were. The mom was kind of like, oh, I, I got to drive down all these weird roads and, and, you know, I don't, I don't know where I'm going and I'm in different places. And so that's like, that's just where I'm at. These are my customers. My customers are river curious. Um, they want to be handled with kid gloves. They want to be, um, they just don't want to endanger themselves. Um, well, what about so you, think, Jamie? I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt it to ask you. So you, you're out in that area what about you and your kid gloves are you ready to come out uh, to the west and, and run some a little bit bigger water <laughs> are you going to be taking uh, a davide sartoni river sup guy clinic are you going to paddle and mopping with me what's up with this uh i mean i'm definitely down all of my river sup experiences felt like i'm standing at the top of a river and somebody's no ballsing me to go down you know i mean <laughs> It's always terrifying. So if you're offering me more terrifying experiences, I'm, yeah, let's do that. Well, I think um, that's, I mean, I think that's what river paddleboarding is. And, and Davide, your, your wife, Jeannie, is, is correct with uh, the, the statement that paddleboarding is a self-expression sport. And sometimes yeah. you just need that Disneyland ride to confirm that you're alive. And a river exactly. paddleboarding event is not on the tracks anymore, but it can be relatively safe. The type of rivers that uh, that river borders are on, the class two, the class three stuff, you know, deeper water, not too many technical consequences. It's not like a class five section that a kayaker could die in. You're on a paddleboard river, like the American, like the lowered chutes. But being able to to stand on a board or kneel or sit and go in moving water, there is such a thrill to it you feel terrified and then when you yeah. overcome a, a class two wave train that you looked at and scouted from the shore and 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 were almost petrified by it once you have that success and do it you just want to do it over and over again so th- that adventure 
wherever it is, if it challenges you, if you're nervous about it, if you don't want to do it, but you, you choose to do it, those experiences are, are often fantastic. And river paddleboarding is an introduction for a lot of people that way. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think, you know, what I try to provide is I just try and help people put their toes in the water, you know? Toes in the water. Just get, just get their toes wet. And, and, and then once I get that toe, man, I, I turn around and they're knee deep. <laughs> uh, what, are some, what are some things that you guys set, each, set your, your students up for success? Like I have a couple of statements like butt to heels, not nose to toes. If you, uh, if you bring your nose to your toes, you're going to fall into the water. But if you bring your heels, uh, your butt to your heels, you're going to be stable. Um, answer that amongst yourselves. I have laundry to do. <laughs> so I'm going to go ah. run it and check out my dry. I'm, I'm, of course, leaving to Mexico tomorrow, and I'm just doing my last minute things. But your conversation is fantastic. Keep on going. Talk about uh, who, <laughs> uh, the, some of the things you set people up for success and to challenge them positively. And I'm going to be right back. Continue the conversation. <laughs> okay. Davide, you want to answer that? I'd love to hear sure. what you have to say. Yeah. Um, actually, one of, one of the mantras that I often use in my classes is something that I heard from Paul, and that's uh, stay low and keep your paddle in the water. Yeah. You know, in, uh, in, in white water, um, staying low could be kneeling on the board, could be having one knee down, could be ha- being in a really low squatted position. Um, and then keeping that paddle in the water in contact with the water uh, is going to be super helpful because it gives you uh, a third point of contact. So that's yeah. that's one of the big mantras that I provide folks. The other one that is, is relatively new for folks is feeling their rails on their boards. And what I mean by that is is yeah. on the river there's current, you know, and the current is going to hit the board from different angles. And so having the ability to control how you're pressuring your rails, it's it's really important. And it's something that most um, flat water paddle boarders are unfamiliar with, you know, and understanding <laughs> how to lean on the river to feel their rails, you know, to engage their rails. Absolutely. It's for me I would on say, fl- go, go ahead, sorry. Well, I was going to say that for me on flat water, the way I help people try and understand that is I get them on a holla at you. And I tell them to put their uh, paddle at the atcha. If you put your paddle right there, you can stand on one leg and counterpoint yourself. That's how I try and get people to understand how stable the board is and how they can. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. And, uh, you know, speaking of the paddle and flat water, um, I get a lot of folks that are used to paddling a pretty long, narrow board mm, um, okay. with a long fin. And so they're... I wouldn't say that their paddle strokes are um, are sloppy, but they're not very refined, meaning that right. they only know how to do one or two strokes, different types of paddle strokes. Um, and they're used to the board just tracking in the direction that they want to go because of the shape of the board and the, the length of the fin. And mm-hmm. so now you get them on a board like the Atcha that's shorter and has mm-hmm. shorter fin. And if they paddle like they are normally used to paddling, Yep. On their flat water board, the board is just going to turn in a circle, you know. Yeah, uh, And exactly. so having, having the ability to control the direction that the board is going with some more refined paddle strokes is the, is the third thing that I try to instill in them in the beginner class, you know. Staying That's low, funny. keep your paddle in the water, uh, feel the rails, and then refine paddle strokes. 
that's that's funny because that's kind of a lot of my enticement for flatwater people who I'm trying to get on the river. I, you know, because I meet a lot of people who love their flatwater. Um, their stroke's not great. They don't really even realize that there is kind of proper stroke. And so I get them on the river and we refine that stroke real quick. You know, I get them to attain and I entice them into getting better at paddling because I know that as soon as they have to go up current or up river, their, their stroke is going to get refined. You know, you can't have a bad stroke and attain. So, um, and you know, so what I try and teach people is I teach them about the, um, what I like to call the magic triangle of your, your feet at offset over the handle and then your paddle being the third point of the triangle and how you're strongest when you have a triangle. Um, and then if they want to shift their feet, you know, how to keep their paddle in the water, come to prone, change sides, and then go back to another triangle for bracing. Um, I also, I like to get people when they're standing and kind of just chilling or find some level of homeostasis on the river to show them that their paddle has a neutral position and then a, a forward position, you know, where show them how their paddle can slip through the water if their T handles turned right. And how they can use that neutral position to keep their paddle in the water because they can readjust their paddle position by, you know, most people think that I, I guess most flat water paddlers don't realize that you have to turn your T handle constantly to kind of, refine the stroke feathering yeah adjusting feathering okay thank you for official words <laughs> <laughs> this is the muck and muck i come up with but yeah i call it the neutral position so that then they can stay connected with the river by not always having to have pressure against their paddle and that kind of like blows people's minds you know that really like blows people's minds and one of the coolest things that I ever learned was, um, you know, if you want to get deeply spiritual with some river, is that if you take your paddle out of the water, you're disconnecting from the river energy, uh, and you need it. to ch you need to channel that river energy. And so, and that's where giving people the understanding of the neutral position, you can keep them connected with the river energy and begin to see yourself as you're moving around a paddle. You're not you're moving your board around a paddle, you know, but that's kind of like mind blowing. But if I tell people that at the beginning of our river session, they won't get it. But by the end, they're like, Oh my God, I totally get it. I understand exactly what you're talking about. I love the analogy. That's great. How do you guys, instead of telling someone, instead of illustrating uh, the, the strategy, how do you actually Without instructing, how do you how do you model good uh, paddling? How do you model your own style? Like, what is your style, Jamie? What I, I can only speak to what functionally happens. So, we're standing by a river. We're at a park and play. There's some rapids. People are already, you know, they got wiggle legs. They're nervous. I get on the board, and I just kind of stand there in the river. <laughs> and then they look at me and say, "Oh, look." She's not going down the river. She's just kind of standing there. So then they think, well, I could probably just stand there too. And so then they get on their board and then they 
immediately get taken down river a little bit and they immediately kind of connect with um, getting forward and paddling forward. Um, I can't tell you how many times we've attained up to the rapid and, you know, I'm there in like two minutes and then they've struggled for about 10 minutes. And when we're at the beach where we're at the river, they say to me, how did you just paddle on one side the whole way? Like, why didn't you have to change sides? And I say, ah, well, that's because, you know, I draw my nose over and do a J stroke. Well, what's a J stroke? Well, you know, and then it's, and that's the same experience that I've had on a sup. I've watched people who do it elegantly and I say, wait a second, that's beautiful. How did you do that thing? And then they kind of tell me, but until I have, some little bit of understanding for myself, there's nothing to connect to. So, you know, a lot of what I do is just get a person. It's just getting out there, getting you know, and if they're scared, if they're scared and nervous, I jump off my board and I stand in the river and, you know, I've got, I mean, where I am, it's like knee high. And then they look at me like I'm crazy. Like you're just standing there and, I say, come on, jump in too. Feel this out. Let's walk around. Let's understand what's underneath the river right now. Let's understand what's pushing against us right now. You know, let's let's stand behind this rock right here and feel what an eddy current is, what an eddy wall is, you know, and, and I don't know. Feel I think it. that, yeah, feel it. David, uh, Davide, how, how would you describe your style? Because I know, you know earlier I, you were talking about like the Japanese certainly have a style, Yaku style, for example. Uh, the Europeans have their own style. Uh, how would you describe yours? So I am. I've always been very methodical with things. You know, if you have the scientist on one end of the spectrum and the artist on the other end, I've always been uh, towards the uh, the scientist part of the spectrum. Um, partly because I have to think about things, I have to dissect things. Um, so my style is very methodical and based on repetition, you know, doing a move over and over and over until I can feel like I'm smooth at it. Um, I would say in terms of my stance, one of my prefer preferred stances is my offset stance, and I do a lot, yeah. a lot from that. And I like to keep my feet really close to the rails. Um, but at the same time, I'm learning that you know you were talking about river energy earlier and being in contact with it is that the river energy is often unpredictable even if you're really good at reading the water right so um it's like you want to have a plan in place of how you're going to um manage or attack something on the river but you have to be flexible and willing to change so the more um uh, the more athletic you can be on the board the more uh, able you are to adjust what you're doing uh, the more successful you're going to be at negotiating the the problem that the river throws at you, you know. Mm, yeah, I know. For that me, that's for me. That's you know, when you really when you really change your mindset to I'm not gonna I'm gonna take my paddle out of the river as little as possible. I want to stay connected to the river energy. Then you start to feel the different densities of the water, and I think that once you feel the densities of the water that's how you understand what's going to happen because you start to see you connect your paddle in the water, the density, the feeling of that, the look of it. And then you start to understand what dense water looks like and what not dense water looks like. And then you start to change your expectation of, okay, I'm about to plant in 
loose water. So I know I better be more firm in my stance with less in my paddle. I don't know. That's where the fine tuning starts to happen. I think kind of like for me in rollerblading, it's okay. I'm coming up on, um, I'm coming up on some wet leaves. So I know that over these wet leaves, I'm not going to try and, and push or accelerate. I'm just going to roll over, but maintain strong forward momentum. I don't know. That's, that's my take do on you that. really, Jamie, do you really, I don't know, I haven't paddled with you yet. Uh, you just presented your approach to, to the river and that style is pretty cerebral. I don't know, I bet you're more of a dancer on the river. I bet you're finding the rhythm and feeling it as opposed to thinking about it. Am I wrong? Well, I'm communicating it, but when I'm on the river, I mean, I'm feeling it. Once I stop taking my paddle out, Again, I mean, it's exactly what I just said. Paddle in, different densities. I can see the water in my eyes right now, um, whether it's dense or loose. I don't know. And then there's, yeah, that, yes, that sounds very cerebral. No, there's not as much calculating. But yes, there's definitely calculating. I think if you see a hole, you're saying to yourself, okay, well, there's a hole. Let's stay away from that. You know, it, it, it sounds cerebral if you're talking about there's a rock. I'm going to lean away from that rock and I'm going to, you know, be on my left side in order to raise my rails up over that rock. Communicating that is cerebral, but when you're there, you're just, yeah, I think you're doing that math. Sure. One of the things that I like to do in, when I'm doing a, a clinic, um, especially when people are standing up for the first time, I like to have all the boards facing upriver and let the, the, the people drift down. In a section of river that uh, might have uh, some ripples and some you know, frisky ripples, there isn't really any consequence. Let the body roll with it. We have such muscle memory, right. especially as adults. And a lot of people who are river paddleboarding are adults. They're in their 30s and their 40s. They already have a muscle memory. But if, if they put their eyes to the current, if they put their eyes to the ripples and the, the, the potential things that could frighten them, uh, then they get in their head and, they, and, and their body freezes. But if they don't look, if they don't see, if they don't let their, their mind take over but let their body perform, they're standing up in ripples and there's the, the first element of success. I think river paddleboarding certainly has to be technical. It certainly has to have technique to it and, and curriculum, but man, I like dancing on the river. I like just closing my eyes figuratively, sometimes literally, and just feeling and responding instinctually. And as far as style goes, like I'm, I'm asking about style because I think style is really what distinguishes us as individual paddlers from other people. And uh, like, so I'll, 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 I have a, a series of people that I really admire as paddleboarders, uh, Dan Gavir, for example, and Yaku in Japan. Um, and also, Davide, you know who I'm going to mention, the person who has most influenced me in paddleboarding is Connell. A person who will lie on her board and kick her legs up through a rapid, ride the nose, have the board backwards. When I first started paddling with her, 
I realized what paddleboarding was, or at least to me. It's just an absolute, just hands in the air, let's have fun with this. Who cares what the people think? Who cares what anybody thinks? I'm just in touch with the river, and I'm dancing on my own. To me, that was the breakthrough when I met her. I mean, I definitely, you know, I agree 100%. It's absolute feel. People don't want to hear from me that it's feel. <laughs> they want, they want, so like last weekend I took this guy out. I was trying to show him how to just do a peel out. And he kept paddling backwards <laughs> instead of paddling forward and kind of catching the current. And I said it to him over and over and over again. Uh, in much the same way that Andy Hinton said to me over and over and over again, you got to draw your nose over to do a J stroke. You got to draw your nose over to do a J stroke. If you're not drawing your nose, you're not J stroking over and over and over again until it clicks. Um, I definitely think it's feel, but I think you have to have a communication to people of what's happening functionally. They want that. So I've, I've thought about how to communicate what I'm feeling to people, you know? So I had two thoughts on that when you said that, Jamie. I, I agree with you, and I think um, personally I love to know how things are broken down because I need yeah. to think about it. And I would say a large portion of the population likes that. I think there's a smaller portion that doesn't relate to it, and they just have right. to do it, you know, like explaining it, listening it. Even seeing it maybe doesn't make sense to them. And so the challenge on the river I found for that smaller portion of the population is how do you frame an exercise um, so that the environment gets them to do what you want them to do, you know, and you have to have the right location on the river for it. I mean, it could be something as simple as you have a, a relatively straight shoreline and you say, I want you to paddle along and follow in line with the shoreline, but just try to paddle on one side of the board. Yeah. And then they discover it by themselves, you know, so you're framing right. it or you're saying, we're just going to paddle from this side to the river to the other side of the river. Mm. And you just have them follow you, you know? And mm -hmm. uh, sometimes those particular people like need that movement, you know, they need uh, uh, the ability to discover it on their own. And it may not look as pretty. It may not look exactly like you want it to. Um, like some people like to do peel outs and eddy turns by paddling on the outside of the turn instead of paddling or bracing mm. on the inside okay. of the turn, you know? Okay. Um, yeah. And uh, that might work for them, especially in the beginning. And if that's working for them, are we, you know, if we try to say oh, you have to do it this way, you know, I'm not saying that you're doing that, but I used to do it as an instructor in the beginning. I'm like, oh, this is the way you have to do it. I'm like, right. they're being successful at it. They're catching the eddy. They're peeling out of the eddy. Let's just roll with it, you know. Let's yeah. improve that, you know. And then maybe later down the line, I can give them another tip on a different way that they can do it, you know, that might be helpful in bigger white water, you know. But yeah. um, just a thought on that. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, I, 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 I want people to show up and give them room for what their sport is. You know, I want to help elevate their sport. Um, but, you know, like I had two guys out last weekend and – one guy, I just knew he wanted me to break down every single thing. He wanted to know every single um, element of what he was doing. And the other guy, he wanted to just get out there and do it. Yeah. And yeah. I tried to just create room for both of those people mm -hmm. because fortunately, again, for me, I have a Disney ride to offer them. So there's nothing life critical that 
there's nothing that's going to endanger them. So I can give them that freedom. And I love that because I don't like uh, being told what to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, you know, I just, I like, I love the freedom. I totally, completely agree that stand-up paddleboarding is, is personal expression. Absolutely. So, you know, giving room for that, just giving people what they re- need. Read them, give them what they need. Read them, give it. them what they need. In the next couple of minutes, uh, Davide, tell us what uh, 2021 looks like for you. What type of clinics, what type of trips are you, fingers crossed, offering next year? Um, the classes are going to go on as they have. Uh, I'm actually trying to convince Jeannie in being my assistant instructor so we can get more people on the river yeah. uh, per class. And I think providing them the experience of having a duo instructor, male and yeah. female, husband, wife, um, would give them a really cool experience. Um, and it sort of like brings things back to full circle. You know, we started together. Um, and then if we could introduce other people together, I think it would um, give them a more rich experience from the class. So that's what the classes I'm hoping are going to look like. Um, I'm hoping to run some international trips uh, as well. Um, I have a trip planned for um, New Year's, Christmas, New Year's of the end of the year to Costa Rica that I'm keeping my fingers crossed is going to is going to happen. Is that this um, or is that 2021, 2022? 2021. So it'll be oh, like you know, just in a couple months. Fun. Um, I am hoping to uh, do my first commercial trip in Mexico on the river that I experienced last year. And actually, Jamie, I want to talk to you about this trip because uh, okay. of all the mention of uh, alligators and snakes. <laughs> um, I think that could be right up your alley and some of the folks that you're paddling with and bringing to the river. Yeah. Um, Anyways, so more more on that one. And then uh, obviously I'm hoping to be able to make it back to Europe to see my family and run a trip there as well. And then uh, this year was uh, my first stab at running a uh, um, um, swift water river rescue specific class for stand-up paddleboarders with our local um, swift water rescue, river rescue outfitter. Um, and I'm hoping to do a couple more of those classes next year and have a more refined curriculum for folks uh, to learn some really valuable uh, safety skills required for being an um, effective team member in the event of a rescue in Whitewater. Yeah. yeah. For the, the coming That's, year for you, Jamie, what does what Raleigh's growth in paddleboarding look like with you at the helm? Uh, well, so for my own personal growth, I'm going to take more swift water rescue to be a valuable team member as well, um, because I have my own, my personal group of Stoke is my friend Brett, my friend Ann, my husband, and me. And um, we as a group want to do more exploring of rivers around here. Um, so, you know, we have discussed as a group that we need to be we need to know more about river rescue and safety. So that's a personal goal and that's high on my list. Um, I'm definitely looking at more river clinics, just having more people on the river next summer. 
Um, there's a lot of local areas that I want to go check out, um, underutilized local rivers near me within a hundred mile radius. I've got a list on my phone of all those spots. Uh, definitely a multi-day sub trip. Um, here, the, the river at me is the noose and it goes all the way to the ocean, goes to the Atlantic ocean. So I want to be doing multi days down that with my friends and then hopefully, parlay that into a, you know, group for my business. Um, and then just, ex- I want to, I want to run a couple of races. I want to set up some races here. Uh, I want to do a race down my 12 miles. I want to do a race on flat water, um, put together races. Um, I want to put together some weekend trips. Uh, we have Five hours from here, we have USA Raft, which is incredible. The Nolichucky River is on, like, the top ten lists of rivers worldwide. So just getting it's my a, Raleigh yeah, it's, people. It's a bucket list river for sure, I've discovered when yeah. I was there this year. Yeah, so getting my people from Raleigh, setting up trips for them to, you know, I'm, again, I get people's feet wet. I want to take them up to USA Raft to get more of a big water experience. Um, so setting up those trips. And, I mean, it's all about access, just this summer, you know, again, COVID, first year in business, broken ankle, have not been able to do all the things I wanted to do, have not been able to put out the access that I wanted to, but I'm going to bring it in 2021. So it's just more river, more people, more trips. Bring it in 2021, and hopefully we'll all rendezvous together on a river somewhere and uh, be technical and self-expressive and encourage people to to uh, run a river safely and with uh, a sense of exploration. Thank you so much, both of you, for coming together on uh, this episode, this unique episode of the Paul podcast. And I look forward to many more with, uh, with you, Jamie, as my co-host. Yeah. It, was, it was great just to sit back a little bit and, and listen to you roll, because that's really what I think adventure is about is the the willingness and the the ability to to explore and find things out and get better as you go through personal experiences i knew you were a little nervous uh to to talk on a podcast with me as a co-host but uh you're you're fantastic you're a fantastic person you're a great paddler davide thanks the 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 things that you're doing on the american river are always an inspiration and i love the the community that you're building there it's, it's been a, a, a few years of, of great growth and adventure, and I hope uh, with you as the new generation, both you, Jamie, and Davide, with the new generation of, of river instructor, uh, more and more people will understand that they could challenge themselves to do fun things that they wouldn't have otherwise. With that, yeah. everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of the, the podcast, and have a great rest of the day. You too. Nice talking with you guys. Thanks for having me.